True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fantasy Baseball today on September 22nd. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Today on the show, the Rays aggressively promoting their top prospect, Junior Caminero. Talk about that. Tarek Skubal continues to dominate the competition, although I don't... Can we call the Oakland A's competition? I don't know. And we will preview week 27, the final week of the season. We have made it. Quick reminder to stick with us this offseason. We have a bunch of fun content coming your way. We'll be talking way too early 2024 rankings, prospects, mock drafts, all this kind of crazy stuff. It's going to be fun. So, uh, as always, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let us know if we helped you dominate your league, win a championship on Apple. You can leave the five stars drop a review, let us know. Uh, Bosses like that kind of stuff. You know, Scott, a buddy of mine texted me today. He asked, how do I feel about the baseball season winding down? And my response was, bittersweet. Because we all know it's a very long season, Scott. And it doesn't start on, you know, the end of March, the beginning of April. You know, we're doing this Mm -hmm. all year round. So, you know, we're prepping. We really start to ramp things up in January, February. So it's a really, really long process. But I, for me, it's bittersweet. You know, it's when by the time the season ends, you know, there's a sigh of relief. You can exhale a little bit. But the World Series ends, and I'm like, damn, I miss baseball. <laughs> so uh, that's how I feel. How do you feel, Scott? 
I don't know. I don't feel like I ever get a chance to miss baseball. You know, I mean, I, I, if the season is a grind, March is a grind just because, you know, that's when all eyes are on you. So you really want to put your best stuff out there. And then, um, and then the seasons is a grind mostly because just the keeping up with the games uh, consumes, you know, 90 minutes to two hours of every day. And that's just like going through box scores and data. I'm not even talking about like actually watching games, but then in the off season, you know, we're still doing this podcast. I'm still writing articles. There's still the hot stove season and all the analysis that goes with that. So it, I don't know. I, I never feel like I'm that removed from baseball. Just maybe the pace changes, at least for me. 100%. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the pace changing here. By the time we get to the offseason, by the way, we'll drop down to two podcasts per week, but we'll give you more details about that uh, coming probably this time next week. Next Friday is our last Kokomo Friday of the year. Maybe, I don't know. We could have some bonus podcasts in there. Who knows what's going to happen? Anyway, let's talk about the Rays, Scott. They are promoting their top prospect, Junior Caminero, uh, very aggressively here. 20 years old. They're calling him up straight from AA. And this is a consensus top 10 overall prospect in all of baseball. This kid was having a massive season, batting 324 with 31 home runs, a 975 OPS in 117 games between high A and double A. And if you look specifically in those 81 games at double A, plate discipline, very solid, makes a lot of contact, only a 17% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate. We're talking big hit, big power tools here. He's 20% rostered. I think this is more of like a sneak peek for next year. And obviously, if you're a Rays fan, you're super excited about this and, and hopefully him helping out in the postseason. I don't know if we're going to pick him up for fantasy, Scott. I saw you have the Rays as the fourth worst hitter matchups for next week. But yeah. uh, your thoughts here. This is, this is a huge promotion, Junior Caminero. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't want to downplay it because it is a huge promotion, a consensus top five prospect. If I had to guess today, he'd probably be my number three prospect going into next year behind just the Jacksons, Holiday, and Chorio. And, and so we get this very brief sneak peek, but from a fantasy perspective, it is too little too late. The Rays, a, a big reason they, they have the fourth worst hitter matchups next week is that they're one of only four teams playing just five games next week. And we don't even know for sure that uh, uh, that Junior Caminero, gosh, I forgot his name for a second, <laughs> that Junior Caminero is going to play all five of those games. He is a Primarily a third baseman. I did speculate at one point, however many weeks ago, that that maybe they the, the Rays would turn to Junior Caminero to build a shortstop meet that came up suddenly. But he hasn't actually played shortstop since late July. So it, if, if that was the plan, they would have gradually been playing him there more in the minors, I would think. So I, I imagine he's going to split his time between third base and DH, whatever time he does get. Um, but there are complicating factors with that, obviously, because, you know, at third base, they have a pretty good player already. Gosh, I'm forgetting. <laughs> Isak Paredes. Gosh, what is wrong with me? It's the end of the season, Scott. I mean, our, our remembering names as right now. Our brains are melted already. Uh, yeah. Isak Paredes, of course, has had a great season as the Rays' primary third baseman. He could shift to first. Some days, but 
but they have Yandi Diaz there, whose name I immediately recalled, thankfully. So, like, they're going to play, obviously, Junior Combinero some. They want to get a look at him. They want to see if he's going to be part of the postseason roster, all of that. But will it be every day? It's hard to say that for sure. So instead of focusing on the fantasy angle, which is normally what we do, I, I, like I said, too little, too late, unless you play in an extremely deep league. I don't even see much point to go after Junior Combinero at this point. I do just want to talk about the caliber of prospect he is. So the numbers between high A and double A this year, and it's mostly double A, 81 games at double A, which is impressive enough that a 19-year-old spent that much time at double A, Junior Caminero, between those two stops, has hit 324, 31 home runs, and a 976 OPS. 30, I mean, I, I don't, like, those are impressive numbers, obviously, but without the context of what minor league numbers normally look like, it, it, it may slip by you. 31 home runs. You don't see a ton of 30 homer seasons in the minors. And and usually they belong to like twenty five year olds at AAA. You know, they're just they don't play as many games down there. They don't see as many um, strikes and as many pitches as that they can hit out. And they're still growing physically, so you don't see a lot of thirty homer seasons from a nineteen year old who spent most of his season at AA. I I don't know when that last happened. I, I was looking just for any nineteen year olds or pre-20-year-olds, let's say, teenagers, who hit at least 30 homers in a minor league season. Um, the earliest, I, the most recent I could come up with was Joey Gallo in 2013, who actually hit 40 homers as a 19-year-old in much lower levels than double-A. Uh, so I, I think right before we were going on, somebody responded to my tweet about this and said Cody Bellinger did it as a 19-year-old. It got to exactly 30, but it's, it's rare. I don't have the exit velocity readings for junior common arrow, but I've read that they're very impressive. And, you know, obviously it's not just power. The guy hits for, unlike Joey Gallo, the guy makes a ton of contact and should hit for average too. And just looks like a, could be a fantasy force for years to come. But uh, again, probably not going to happen this year. Yeah, it's a good call on whoever tweeted at you. Cody Bellinger in 2015 hit 30 home runs. He was born in July of 95. So he would have been 19 for most of that year, turned 20 over the summer. And uh, I I do want to point out, that's the same thing here. I know you keep calling him 19 years old, Scott. He's been 19 for most of this season. Junior Caminero, he turned 20 back in July. Um, But nonetheless... Yeah, age 19 season. Yeah, nonetheless. I mean, it's an incredibly impressive season and... A very impressive prospect here. So it's going to be fun just to watch over the final 10 days of the season what, what Junior Caminero can do here uh, and whether or not he can contribute in the postseason. But if he really does anything of note, I think he's probably up on opening day next year as well. So just something to imagine. Uh, so, yeah. and, and it's bad news for Jonathan Aranda. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he, he had just started to get some playing time for them. And I, I, I think that's going to go away. I, Still wonder when his true opportunity is going to happen, if it's going to require them. They, they they do need a shortstop, it seems like. So I don't know if they could dangle him. The Rays could dangle uh, Jonathan Aranda as trade bait in a shortstop. Like what shortstops are out there, right? It's not like there are many teams dying to trade a starting caliber shortstop. Um, 
but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen for him because it does seem like this is the start of the start of a long and storied career for one junior Caminero. All right. Again, Rays promoting their top prospect here, Junior Caminero, on Friday. Should be a ton of fun. Let's get into the rest of Thursday's action. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. All right, Scott, we get the call there from Vince Gully because you are talking about a Dodgers player. Who is it? I am talking about Emmett Sheehan. Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers, who himself had an incredible minor league season, you'll remember. He was called up much earlier than Junior Caminero, so it's it seems kind of, you know, what have you done for me lately? But in the minors this year, between double and triple A, Emmett Sheehan has had a 243 ERA, 0.91 whip, 14.6 K per nine. Ooh. And specifically, we read a lot at the time about how he had the fastball has the modern characteristics that that teams look for in a fastball. You know, good vertical approach angle gets a lot of swings and misses with it. And early in earlier stints in the majors, we didn't see a lot of swings and misses on any pitch for Emmett Sheehan. But now in his last two appearances, this one was a true start against the Giants. And uh, the previous one at Seattle, he was following he was following another pitcher. But in this one against the Giants, Emmett Sheehan had nine strikeouts in four and two thirds innings, no hits. 18 swinging strikes on 93 pitches. Very good. That previous outing at Seattle, five strikeouts and three one-hit innings, 15 swinging strikes. And I don't have the pitch count, but it must have been low. He only pitched three innings and didn't walk anybody. So, like, he's gotten a ton of whiffs all of a sudden here in these last two outings, has Emmett Sheehan. And it's not it's not all one pitch. It's not even two pitches. So, in... In, in this start against the Giants Thursday, seven whiffs came on the fastball, six on the slider, four on the changeup. In that last outing at Seattle, five on the fastball, six on the changeup, four on the slider. So it seems like he has three pitches there that he can get whiffs with. And I don't know, I don't know why that didn't translate immediately to the majors. I mean, I'm sure there, I'm sure there are legitimate reasons for it that uh, um, somebody on the Dodgers development staff could probably probably explain to us, but since we don't have access to them, I will just say that this is the upside that it looked like Emmett Sheehan had all along. And while it didn't, while it didn't come to fruition immediately, it seems like it's coming to fruition now. So I don't know that that means you should use them next week. Let's see, who would he be facing? He would be facing the Giants, it looks like, or no? It would I, probably I, be the I think he's Mariners. In, I think he's in Coors Field, Emmett Sheehan. Oh, you're right. Yeah, at Coors Field, not Mariners, at the Rockies. So, yeah, you probably don't want to use him this year, but like in terms of scouting for next year, is Emmett Sheehan somebody who could take a huge leap forward? I think it's possible. Showed a lot of strikeout ability in the minors. Control could be an issue, uh, as it is for so many young pitchers who get a lot of strikeouts, but that is something that they often overcome in time, and particularly with, you know, the Dodgers are as good at developing players as any organization. So uh, I have high hopes for Sheehan long-term, which, you know, I'd kind of begun to wonder with the way his major league career started, Uh, but I also have hopes for him next year if – 
you know, if he can become a regular part of the Dodgers rotation. And we've seen this with many pitching prospects before. We saw it with arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball coming into the year, Grayson Rodriguez. It took some time. He took his lumps. He got sent down. He came back, and he's pitched incredibly well since returning. Uh, Emmett Sheehan, he's had one bad outing, but three other very impressive performances since being recalled. And yeah, those secondary pitches look really good, Scott. I, I kind of wondered why he didn't use them more earlier in the year, but the slider has a 38% whiff rate, the changeup a 44% whiff rate. So he's got two legitimate whiff secondaries. He gets a lot of whiffs on his fastball too. He throws incredibly hard. I agree. I think there's a lot to like here long-term for Emmett Sheehan. You know, if you're playing a keeper league, maybe you only keep whatever, anywhere from three to five players. He might just be out there on the waiver wire this time of year. Maybe you're just out of it. Pick him up and maybe you wind up keeping him for next year if he's like, a top flight sleeper. You never know. So, yeah, I mean, we could get, he could have one of those postseason runs that turns him into everybody's favorite breakout player next year. That, that's, that, that happens sometimes. Let's not root for that though, Scott. We want to, let's keep the helium down on Emma Sheehan so we get him at a good price uh, next year. A pitcher that we will not be getting at a fair cost next year. I just think this guy's going to continue to rise and rise and rise is Tarek Skubal who set a season high with 10 strikeouts at the Oakland A's. He threw seven shutout innings, two hits, one walk. Those 10 strikeouts, as I mentioned, 14 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. Nine of those coming on the changeup. He leaned into that pitch in this start, made it his most used pitch through 37% of the time. And it is a tremendous changeup. 186 batting average against a 52% whiff rate. I'll point out the velocity was down a little bit uh, for Scooble here, the lowest fastball velocity in a start for him this season. But it didn't matter because he was awesome. He now has seven plus strikeouts in seven straight starts, and he's been a legitimate league winner, kind of the, I guess, American League version of like a Freddie Peralta, what he's doing as well. Um, but look, if you picked up Scooble, you're just kind of riding him here down the stretch, and, and he has been amazing. Um, Scott, I know you released some way too early 2024 bold predictions, and one of them involved this gentleman, Tarek Skubal. Yeah, the very first one. Very first one um, of my 20 bold predictions for 2024. An article that got a lot of good responses on Twitter. So be sure to check it out. Very first one on the list. Tarek Skubal is the AL Cy Young winner. Ooh, spicy. I think he's, I think he's kind of the perfect pitcher. You know, he he's... he's <laughs> his strikeout rate... Really? Okay, so he comes back from the the flexor, elbow flexor surgery, and his velocity's up a couple miles per hour, and, you know, he already had this great change-up. But that additional velocity has just allowed him to take off on, in all the ways we care about for a pitcher. His strikeout rate and walk rate individually are both elite. You know, his swinging strike rate over... 14%. It's, it's verging on 15% for Tarek Skubal. And then on top of that, on top of having amazing strike throw, um, strike throwing ability and swing and miss ability, his ground ball rate is elite as well, over 50%. So uh, not surprisingly, his FIP, the ERA is one thing, his FIP is 214. <laughs> like the things a pitcher has direct control over, Tarek Skubal does all of them amazingly well. And really the one thing that was uh, maybe the, the one the one remaining question for him once it became clear he was, you know, 
uber talented in this way is would the Tigers let him go deep enough into games to take advantage of that? And they've answered in the affirmative here recently. So seven innings at Oakland here on Thursday. That was Scooble's third start in four with seven innings, going seven innings, third and four. Sixth of seven, going six innings or more. So like he's been going, he's been giving us all the workload we could ask for here over his last seven starts. And uh, yeah, I think he is... I think Tarek Skubal is going to become a household name next year. Maybe even win the Cy Young. I think he's capable of that. You, I, I think you asked me after his last start, Frank, would, you know, is it possible he could be drafted among the top 20 starting pitchers next year? And I said, I think I'm going to rank him that high. And uh, I stand by that. I, I'm assuming he has transcended the glob. Correct, oh, yeah. Scott? Yeah. Yeah, we're starting Tarek Skubal regardless of the matchup. Uh, and it just so happens his matchup next week is against the Royals. So, yeah. Oof. Amazing. Amazing way to end the season for Tarek Skubal. You know, recently, I don't know if you were on that podcast I did. I think it was with the Welsh where I kind of talked glowingly about Tyler Glass now and how him and Spencer Strider are kind of in a class of their own in terms of skills, right? If you lower the minimum innings to 70 innings a season... Tarek Skubal's K-minus walk rate is 27%. That is second behind only Spencer Strider. It's better than Tyler Glass now. So when we're talking about those skills, Scott, which you were just, you know, talking glowingly about as well, he's up there. So far this season, he has been up there with, you know, the three on a K-minus walk rate basis, the three best pitchers in the game. Uh, Tarek Skubal has been one of them this season. Shout out to the model of consistency this year in a year where it has been very inconsistent from a pitching perspective, Scott. Garrett Cole wanted to kind of give him his credit here, give him his due. The second longest start of the season for him up against the Blue Jays. Eight innings, one run, nine strikeouts to zero walks, 19 swinging strikes on 107 pitches. And he has allowed two earned runs or fewer in six straight. He's got a 275 ERA in the season, a 102 whip. Looks like he is... Finally going to lock up that first Cy Young of his career. Uh, he's the second starting pitcher to reach 200 innings this season. Logan Webb was the first. Uh, and it's really just been home run prevention. That's been a huge key to this kind of bounce back year, um, ratios-wise, for Garrett Cole. Anything to add on him? You're, yeah, the home run improvement has has been a big part of his success, and that's with a big drop in strikeout rate. So... Uh, did this finally get him back over 10K per nine for the year? No, he's at 9.8. So at 9.8 after the start? Okay. Yeah, so less than 10 per nine, and his previous five years were all more than 11 per nine. In fact, the lowest was 11.5 per nine. Three of them were over 12 per nine. So he's taken a big step back as a strikeout pitcher, but you know that's that's we've kind of seen that across the elite class of pitchers like Cole is not unique in that regard. And so I've, I've seen a lot of hand wringing over his season. Like, Oh, why is this the year he wins the Cy Young? He hasn't actually been that good because strikeouts or whatever. Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously relative to the rest of the league. He's the runaway. Uh, he, he should be the runaway winner in the AL. There's nobody else who belongs in the conversation. Well, obviously we've been, um, We've been debating a few different candidates on the NL side. You know, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, if you're just doing 
point per game averages, head to head point per game averages for for all all starting pitchers. Like the the whole it's it's been like this paradigm shift. The whole class of starting pitchers has dropped in terms of productivity, and Garrett Cole has just gotten caught up in that. But he's still easily one of the elites in fantasy. In fact, I, I him and Spencer Strider are the only two I'd be willing to draft in either of the first two rounds next year. Yeah, and I have a pretty good feeling those two uh, will indeed, you know, Strider probably going to go in the first round in a lot of drafts. Garrett Cole, maybe he's at the turn, maybe he's an early second round pick, something like that. But yeah, 100%. I think those two guys are pretty much a lock, barring injury, to be the first two starting pitchers drafted in fantasy next year. Let's take our first break. When we return, got some waiver wire pitchers, some uh, waiver wire hitters as well for the final week. We'll talk about those right after this. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, some pitchers that performed well here on Thursday and could be available for the final week of the season. Do we want to use any of them? I don't know. Let's find out. Wade Miley turned in his first quality start since August 28th. He was at the Cardinals. He threw six shutout innings with seven strikeouts, 10 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. 54% rostered and home against the Cardinals next week again. Uh, Ranger Suarez, not so great here against the Mets. He gave up four runs over six and two thirds, but he faces the Pirates in the final week. So have a feeling we uh, we're going to like that one. Johan Oviedo turned in his first quality start since that complete game shutout on August 28th. He was at the Cubs. He threw six shutout innings, five walks, five strikeouts. He's at Philly next week, so uh, I think that's probably a no-go for me. Kyle Hendricks, another quality start. He was facing the Pirates. Six innings, three runs allowed, but only one earned run. Five strikeouts. Uh, He's at Atlanta next week. I think that's uh, a big old no for Kyle Hendricks. And Kyle Harrison back in the bigs with the Giants. 
He was at the Dodgers yesterday. I said, look, there's no way. You can't stream this guy. And he had a good start. Five and a third innings, two runs allowed, two strikeouts. He is 45% rostered. Uh, I don't know if you factored him into the matchups yet, Scott, but CBS has Kyle Harrison listed as a two-star pitcher next week. I don't think I would want to do it anyway because it's the Padres and the Dodgers, but... Yeah. Just thought I'd I throw mean, it the, out there. the Giants rotation is the most difficult of all to figure out. Oh, yes. But it looks to me like in the six-game week, Logan Webb is going to start Monday, which would make Kyle Harrison not a two-star pitcher. So that takes a little bit of the pain away, if, if that indeed comes to pass. But, you know, obviously I'll update on Sunday with the latest information. And I, I think if nothing else, we can tell for sure by Sunday afternoon who's going to start for the Giants on Monday. So. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, any interest in these other names, Scott? Wade Miley, Ranger Suarez, Oviedo, Kyle Hendricks. Uh, well, yes, Ranger Suarez is among my sleeper pitchers for next week. Now, he's not especially high on the list, but I do th- feel like he's a pretty safe play as long as as long as your primary interest isn't preserving whip. He's he's probably going to go six innings, limit runs, good chance he gets a win against that lineup. Uh, but the ba- he may allow a few more base runners than. Um, than is optimal. So keep that in mind with him. But he's definitely my favorite for next week. I do want to comment on Kyle Harrison's start, even though I don't like him as a fantasy option for next week. You know, it was a good result. He did strike out only two. He did have only four swinging strikes on 75 pitches. It does feel a lot like an Emmett Sheehan situation where we got a guy more than 14K per nine over his minor league career, and he's not getting... He's not getting those strikeouts in the majors, not yet, but he will. He will, and I, I'm more encouraged by the fact he threw 69% of his pitches for strikes in this one, which has been uh, a continuing trend for Kyle Harrison since he's gotten in the majors. It hasn't made him someone you can start in fantasy yet, but it does give me a lot of optimism for him heading into next year. And in fact, another one of my 20 bold predictions, just going to spoil the whole column here. <laughs> Kyle Harrison has a rookie season to rival Kodai Senga's. I think, I think that's the kind of production we can hope for him next year, where the innings are probably going to be a little low, but a great strike. The innings are probably going to be a little low. The walk rate probably going to be a little high and therefore the whip a little high, but a great strikeout rate and probably a good whip, a uh, good ERA too. All right, let's slide over to some waiver wire hitters here. And Key Brian Hayes went two for five with two runs scored. He has multiple hits in five of his last six games. In 42 games since returning from the IL, Key Brian Hayes is batting 320 with nine homers, 27 runs, 28 RBI, a 41% fly ball rate compared to 31% for his career. So that's good. A 37% pull rate compared to 28% for his career. So that's good. 92.7 mile per hour average exit velocity. He's 73% rostered. He's got six games next week against the Phillies and the Marlins. Any enthusiasm for next week, Scott, on Kid Brian Hayes? And I guess the same question for next year because I've kind of been off of him, but I've been really, really encouraged by what we've seen over these last 42 games. So it's been a little bit of a give and take because as he's shown signs of maybe coming around as a power hitter, they're mostly underlying signs. Obviously, the home run total this year is still lacking 
for Kibrian Hayes. So it's still very projection based. This power increase for him, as that's as those signs have improved, he stopped he stopped being much of a base dealer. Only ten of the only ten stolen bases this year compared to twenty last year, and obviously twenty last year was even more valuable than 20 this year, and he's only gotten to 10. So if that's not going to be a big part of Hayes' game anymore, then that puts a lot of pressure on the the bat to develop power. I haven't actually ranked third baseman yet. I haven't actually sorted out who's losing eligibility there next year, et cetera. But my guess right now is that Hayes will not crack my top 12. But he'll probably rank higher last year than he did coming into this year. So that's the next year angle on Hayes. As for the next week angle... On Key Brian Hayes. Uh, he came very close to cracking my top 10 sleeper hitters. I like that the Pirates are uh, facing three lefties in their six games. Hayes' numbers are even better against lefties than righties. But the pitchers on the schedule Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, Jesus Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, Braxton Garrett, and Taiwan Walker, for the most part, pretty good pitchers. And he's already 73% rostered, so particularly. This late in the year, you know, usually I use 80% as a cutoff, but, you know, it's, it is that close to 80. I'm going to grade him a little harsher. So Hayes didn't quite make the cut for my sleeper hitters, but I do think he's a pretty good play next year if you don't have a stud third baseman already. Mm-hmm. Right, next week, I should say. A pretty good play next week. It's a good point you bring up about the speed because looking at his StatCast page, the sprint speed has dropped quite a bit this year. He's only 41st percentile. So that's something to note for Hayes. He turns 27 years old in January. I still think we haven't seen the best yet. And I've been really harsh on him because I just figured there would never be any power. But this recent stretch is pretty encouraging for him. So if he can ever put everything together, I think we can get a 20-20 bat from the third base position, which is pretty valuable. I just I don't know if it's going to be next year, but it wouldn't surprise me, I guess. If that comes for uh, Key Brian Hayes, Sal Freelich went two for five with an RBI, and he's been pretty solid uh, since being called up. He's batting 273 with a 372 on base percentage. He's got three homers, seven steals, a 766 OPS in 50 games. Scott, I feel like m- many people made this Stephen Kwan comp for uh, Sal Freelich, and if you look at his 150 game pace, nine homers. 21 steals, solid batting average, good on base skills. It's very similar to Stephen Kwan. I, I still think the upside might be a little bit higher for someone like Sal Freelich, but this is pretty much spot on um, to, to like a Stephen Kwan type player. He's 51% rostered. He's got six games next week. The problem, three lefties on the schedule. So I think, again, this is probably maybe someone we're looking at for next year. I, I don't know that I'm too excited about it for next week, though. Yeah, I'm not excited about it for next week either. Uh, let me see. Let me see how the exit velocity readings compare to Quan. So 85 average, 106 max for Freelick, which sounds pretty Quan-like. <laughs> it sure does. 86 average for Quan, 105 max. So Freelick's max is one mile per hour higher, but his average is one mile per hour lower than Quan. So very similar. All right, uh, so we'll see what happens with uh, Sal Freelich, but it probably turns out to be like a better points league player, I think, in the long run here in fantasy baseball. It, it, it ultimately, like, could he run more than he has? I, I think that's possible. He's a little faster than Quan. Um, and and I don't know. I For whatever reason, I could just see that becoming a bigger part of his contribution than it is Quan's. Mm-hmm. So... That if if you're talking about oh what's the upside 
what kind of upside does Freelick have relative to Quan? I think that would be it. He could just run a lot more potentially. Yeah. Like maybe a 280 plus batting average, 10 to 12 homers, 30 plus steals, something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And that'd be, I think, a pretty useful player for fantasy. One name in deeper leagues, Joe Adele, went two for three with his second home run, and he should get some playing time here over the final 10 days. Had a huge season in the minors, 273 batting average, 24 homers, 961 OPS, improved plate discipline, walked more this year, struck out less. 89.9 average exit velocity in the minors. He's 10% rostered. He's got six games next week. Again, this is more for like 15 team, five outfielder leagues. But three of those six games come against Oakland. So I don't know. Maybe it's not a, a crazy recommendation. What do you think? I think you could do better. I got some pretty deep outfield recommendations when we get to the sleeper hitter, hitter section. And uh, we've seen a lot. We've seen Adele a lot over the past four years in the majors and it's never gone well it has not indeed and you know professional tease there from uh the broadcaster known as scott white so we'll get to those sleeper hitters in just a little bit let's talk about some news and notes vladimir guerrero jr has missed two straight with right knee discomfort and mri showed no structural damage there was some talk that he was available off the bench in that game against the Yankees. I don't know if he actually got in there. Uh, I'll look it up, but I don't think that he did. Sandy Alcantara made a rehab start. This kind of came out of nowhere. At AAA on Thursday, he threw four shutout innings with four strikeouts. And if his arm responds well, Alcantara could be back uh, next week for one final regular season start as the Marlins look to push for a postseason spot. Wilson Contreras was placed in the IL with tendonitis in his left wrist. Christian Yelich has now missed 12 of the past 13 games with that lingering back injury. Brandon Lau was removed Thursday with a knee injury. Alec Manoa has officially been ruled out for the remainder of the season after receiving multiple injections in his right arm in recent weeks, which is a little weird because everything I've read about Manoa is that it, there's nothing structurally wrong. So why is he having injections in his arm? I, I I read that there was like inflammation, but I don't know. Hmm. I wonder if Alec Manoa is this kind of next year's Jose Barrio, Scott, where like every single thing just went wrong this year and maybe we just buy back in on the extreme cheap end, like outside of the top 200, 250 picks. And maybe he pays off something. I don't know. It's yeah. completely up in the air. Jose Barrios was pretty bad last year, but a lot more went wrong. For like Man Manoa couldn't hold down a major league job, you know. He was True. walking everybody in sight. So I, uh, the case I was making, you know, early in the year when it was happening, and uh, should we hold on to Alec Manoa or not? Was okay. He something's wrong. If he figures out what's wrong, it, it's likely to be like a light switch, the flipping of a light switch, and he'll be fine again. And it could be that sudden. It's not like where he's going to gradually get back to form. Uh, maybe it'll never, maybe that switch will never go on for him again. That's possible. But if there's any chance of recovering, it's probably going to be like that, where he just, oh, suddenly clicks again. And so, okay. But with that perspective, maybe, maybe Manoa is worth a late draft pick in certain leagues next year. But, um, 
but there's not a lot to be encouraged by in any of the data or any of the information coming out about him. No, there is not. Alec Manoa, buy low or heck no, Scott, in Dynasty Leagues. I tried buying low from R.J. White in the Scott White Dynasty League and was rebuffed. (laughs) And uh, I don't remember what I was offering him, but I think I used the same pieces to get like Colson Montgomery and Mackenzie Gore later, maybe. Mackenzie Gore in a minor league spot. I'm happier with what I got than if I had made that Manoa trade is, uh, is how I'll put it. Um, it would have to be dirt cheap. You'd have to buy him for dirt cheap, I think. Maybe not in a league as deep as 24 teams, but in the sort of league you're probably playing in. Right. Um, not you, Frank. You play in that 24-team league. Hey, that's the only dynasty league I play in. So. <laughs> um, Vlad Jr., by the way, did pinch hit on Thursday. He went 0-for-1 with, with an RBI, so... I think that's a pretty good indication that he could be in the lineup here on Friday for the Blue Jays. Reds pitching prospect Connor Phillips will remain in the rotation and start Saturday against the Pirates. Brandon Crawford was placed on the IL, and as a result, the Giants were called shortstop prospect Marco Luciano. Javier Baez has missed three straight with lower back tightness, and the Reds released Hunter Renfro after he was DFA'd by the team on Monday. Let's take our final break when we return. Week 27 preview, the final week of the season. We'll do that right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Welcome back in. Let's preview week 27, the final week of the season. The schedule looks like this. Four teams with seven games. The Rangers, Mariners, Dodgers, and Rockies. 22 teams with six games and four unlucky teams with five games next week. The Nationals, the Rays, the Guardians, and the Reds. As for those Rockies, all seven of those games are at home in Coors Field, four against the Dodgers, and three against the Twins. Yeah, go time. Let's go. Starter sit these fringe two-star pitchers. Mitch Keller, who got blown up once again on Wednesday. He is at the Phillies and home against the Marlins. Oh, just such a frustrating pitcher. And don't you know it? Two starts to end the week. One of the matchups great, one not so great. So, yeah, he gave up seven runs at the Cubs on Wednesday, did Keller. And two starts prior to that, he gave up eight earned runs. The start in between, eight two-hit innings. So just 
all over the place with his uh, performance, you, you know, single game performances, Keller. A man of extremes. And so I could see not starting him in a roto league. Obviously, if you're chasing wins, strikeouts, you have to start him. You're, you're throwing as many starts in your lineup as you can, and Keller would be one of them. Um, but if 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 you're playing a points league, obviously you do start Keller because a bad start doesn't do as much damage in that format. I gave out this stat on yesterday's podcast, Scott. Mitch Keller has given up six-plus earned runs in five of his last 12 starts. So when when it's bad, it's bad for Mitch Keller here. Uh, Braxton Garrett is the next name up. He is at the Mets and at the Pirates. Yeah, I like him. Those are two good matchups. And um, he's been very reliable lately. A lot of six-inning starts, too, including... Here on Thursday, uh, right? Or was it Wednesday? I think it was, I think it was, no, he didn't, did he pitch today? I don't think he did. He pitched Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. there you go. They're all, these are all merging together. So yeah, Tuesday he threw six shutout innings against the Mets, who's one of the two teams Braxton Garrett is facing this week. And uh, been, most of his starts lately have been like that. So yes, I, I, I feel good about, about Braxton Garrett. Okay, so one caveat, and maybe we should go ahead and get into this now. Um, it's the final week of the season, obviously. Every player is going to be shut down soon enough. So teams can kind of color outside the lines this week. They don't have to stick to rotations as strictly as they would normally. So you got to be careful starting any two-star pitcher. The scenario I laid out before in a roto league, you're chasing wins and strikeouts. Okay, you you know you can't, you don't need to think about that a whole lot. You just try for as many starts as you can to make up ground in those categories. Maybe you don't want to stick a two start, uh, I don't know Zach Thompson in there, but for the most part, you're going to want to get as many starts as you can. But if you're playing in any other format, any kind of head to head format, especially. Be very careful with two-star pitchers because there's a good chance they won't actually make two starts. Some rando, rando will be inserted at some point during the week and cancel that second start. So you want to pay close attention to the first matchup especially. Make sure it's one. If, if that's the only start that pitcher makes, it's, it's still one you could feel good about. Um and I think Braxton Garrett falls into that category because, okay, maybe the Marlins, you know, you know, they're right on the verge of a playoff spot. Maybe they're fighting to the very end. But there's a good chance either they're eliminated or they've clinched by the time the final day of the season gets here. And not only that, but if they do insert Sandy Alcantara midweek, they may have six pitchers making a start in six games. So it, it could be that it's it's very likely that Braxton Garrett ends up making just one start this week, which would be... Um, at the Mets, still a good matchup. So if you know if you're at all, all on the fence, Braxton, two star Braxton Garrett, or one star pitcher who's also really good, maybe go with the one star pitcher who's also really good. And one other point on that, I think for the ace type pitchers, something you need to worry about because I'm looking here. Kevin Gosman lines up for two starts. Luis Castillo, Zach Gallen, Justin Steele. There's a chance that those teams wrap up a playoff spot by the time we get to Saturday or Sunday, and they might want to save those pitchers for the wild card game, right? Or whatever it might. Yeah, I guess it would Who be the wild card game. Who did you mention right? there? 
I mentioned Kevin Gosman, yep. uh, Luis Castillo, Zach Gallen, yep. Justin Steele. So those are all teams that are in the hunt for a wild card spot right now. Uh, Logan Webb, potentially. Logan Webb Giants, as well. Giants are almost out of it at this point, but yeah. potentially Logan Webb. George Kirby, uh, I think, George is another Kirby. name. Yeah. George Kirby, Justin Verlander. Right. Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Yeah, they may just want to reset their, like, yeah. most of the two-star pitchers that you, you'd be interested in starting. Now, the guys we just named are so good. You start them anyway, right? You start them anyway. Maybe not Nola, even though it's against the Pirates. But the other <laughs> ones, the other ones, yes. You don't have to think so hard with them. Oh, are they going to lose their second start or not? But certainly the Braxton Garretts of the world. And uh, I do have Ryan Pepio on here. Uh when we get into the the sleeper section, now that's that's scary because the first starts at Colorado. The way Pepio's pitched lately, he might just give you six shutout innings at Colorado. But right. um, I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. And clearly, I didn't know what the Dodgers were going to do last week either because I had Pepio as a two star pitcher then. But they have a double header on Tuesday. Looks like it's going to be Pepio and Bobby Miller starting Tuesday. So which of those two gets to start Sunday? They'll both be on the same amount of rest. Mm. I'm guessing Pepio because he has fewer innings accumulated this year and he'll probably be lower down the pecking order in the postseason. So they'll want to build an extra rest for Bobby Miller, but it could be Bobby Miller. It could be someone else completely. They could bring in Ryan Yarbrough out of the bullpen to start that final game of the season. So like it's... Especially if it doesn't matter for the Dodgers, right? Like Right, right. Yeah, it's a good point. You got to be... It's almost to the point of you, you You have to assume nobody's making two starts next week. And, okay, these guys are the most likely to make two starts, but you have to consider it gravy if they actually do. With that, I'm going to continue to ask you about pitchers who we think are going to make two starts next yeah. week. Uh, Bryce Elder, he walked five and struck out none on Wednesday. He is at the... He's home against the Cubs and home against the Nationals. Yeah, he's been very up and down recently. And the ups aren't as high as Mitch Keller's ups. Uh, I do have him as an advisable start in most leagues, but uh, I could see sitting him in categories leagues. There's not a ton of upside for him there. Really, just you're hoping for two wins out of him. And, you know, he's accumulated a lot of innings this year. The Braves might want to preserve. I, I presume he'll be their number three starter going into the postseason. So there's a good chance he doesn't make that second start against the Nationals. Adrian Hauser is home against the Cardinals and home against the Cubs. So I do have him as my top no-thanks pitcher. But, you know, if, if you're just dying to get as many starts as you can in the lineup, you could do worse than him. That's exactly right, because you know what? Uh, heading into this week, I looked at Scott's no-thanks section, and I picked up Jose Buto. And that first start was pretty good. We'll see what, we'll see what he does out. this weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to bring up these two because, I, again, I think people are going to be kind of clamoring for starts. Tanner Houck, home against Tampa Bay at the Orioles. Yeah. he's. He, I, I considered both put, putting both Hauser and Houck in the, um, in the head-to-head points. Like, I could see doing it in head-to-head points tier instead of the no-thanks tier. But... They're 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 at least justifiable if you if you just really want to sell out for volume this week, with the caveat again that they may only make one start themselves. 
This last name, frankly, I don't even know if he's going to be in the rotation next week because I, I saw some rumors that Martin Perez has earned the right to get back into the Rangers rotation, and John Gray has been terrible recently. He is at the Angels and at the Mariners. Right. They only have four starters now, so I, I think Martin Perez would just come in as the fifth guy. Gotcha. But John Gray has only been going like two, three innings lately. He's practically so been a reliever. So bad. So, yeah, he's 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 maybe the first of the 100%. I don't want anything to do with these guys the final week of the season. I have him on my Tout Wars team. It's a head-to-head points league. And even with the projected two starts, I'm dropping him. Greg Jewett, if you're listening, you already know one of my drops this week. I am dropping John Gray. I am not starting him against you in the final You know what? I'm going to go ahead and make that change here. I'm going to make John Gray the top of the no thanks tier and include Adrian Hauser and Tanner Houck in that. You could maybe do it in points leagues tier. Okay. Because I think in a limited two-start slate, that's probably the the truer representation. Let's get into the two-star pitchers to add and stream for the final week. We've got five names on the list here. And the Welsh and I had a great discussion about Michael King and Reese Olsen yesterday. Those guys have been lights out recently. Uh, What are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, so King is my favorite sleeper pitcher for this upcoming week. And in fact, I'm... I'm I'm close to just calling a must start for the two start week because there's a very good chance he makes those two starts since he's you know spent most of the year in relief. It's not like he's running into innings problems and the Yankees aren't playing for anything. So at Toronto, which isn't a bad matchup at all, that's actually who he struck out 13 uh, against on uh, Wednesday and then at Kansas City, which is a terrific matchup. Michael King, one of my bold predictions, I'll just stick with this theme, one of my 20 bold predictions was for Michael King that he will make the all-star team as a starter next year. Uh, and he should be in your lineup next week. Okay, Ryan Pepio is on number two on this list. It's a little scary since that first starts at Colorado, but I just have so much faith in Pepio right now that would be hard to pass him up with the chance of two starts. Reese Olsen, third on the list, two great matchups against the Royals and the Guardians. I considered ranking him ahead of Pepio, but I don't have as much confidence in him continuing his good work of late. You know, it's not like it's been strikeout heavy or anything like that. Uh, Kita Maeda, we've seen him turn things around lately. Two starts versus Oakland. That's the one he's most likely to make, which is good. At Colorado is the second one. So that uh, that bumps Kenta Maeda down a little bit. You almost rather him make one start, maybe. Uh, and then the last of the two-star pitchers is Paul Blackburn, who was supposed to be a two-star pitcher this week, but apparently got pushed back. He's at Minnesota, team that strikes out a lot. At the Angels, they obviously don't have a lot of good hitters left. So at least in points leagues, you might want to give Paul Blackburn a look. A few one-start options, I'll just rattle them off real quick. Ranger Suarez against the Pirates. We talked about him. Gavin Williams is at the Tigers. Sawyer Gibson Long. We'll see how his start goes this weekend, but if if it's a strong follow-up, then I like him against the Royals. Edward Cabrera is at the Pirates, and Bailey Ober is facing the Athletics. All right, let's move over to the hitters and the best matchups for next week. The Twins, Dodgers, Rockies, Braves, and D-backs. The worst hitter matchups, Nationals, Cubs, Mets, Rays, and Astros. With that said, Scott, your sleeper hitters for the final week of the season. So I wish I could recommend more Twins. There are two lefties on the schedule in their six games. That makes it a little tough. 
but Jorge Polanco is one I can recommend with gusto because it doesn't matter lefty or righty. He'll be able to take advantage of those three games against the Athletics and three games at Coors Field. Uh, if you want another Twins recommendation, he's not in the top 10 here, but Matt Wallner, it's a good chance he starts against the lefties. He's only 15% rostered. I have Zach Geloff here, mostly just because I don't know why people aren't picking him up, the matchups or whatever, but like he's second on the list, which kind of puts the less, let rest of the list in perspective. Okay, like if you can go for Geloff, go for him any, over any of these matchup plays. Um, Jake Berger provided his, what was it, his quad that he left with? He, he left with some kind of leg injury on Wednesday, but sounded like he planned to play this weekend. If he returns this weekend, then uh, I think you want to start him Marlins facing the Mets for three games and the Pirates for three games. Good matchups there. The Dodgers are one of the teams visiting Coors Field, and actually they get four games there, so that's good news for James Outman. And here's one of those deep outfield sleepers, Jason Hayward. Only 6% rostered. He has been great in September. He sits against lefties, but the Dodgers have only one lefty on the schedule in seven games, and again, four games at Coors Field. I think it's a decent time to roll the dice on old Jay Hay. Uh, if you picked up Chris Bryant, it's go time now with those seven games at home for the Rockies. And Charlie Blackman benefits from that as well. His home numbers are especially good. Tommy Pham's been hot lately. The Diamondbacks have the fifth best matchups, as you pointed out, Frank. So good time to start Tommy Pham. And then Evan Carter, I have him here just because he's been productive for the Rangers, and they're one of the few teams with seven games, one of only four teams with seven games. The matchups could be better, but you could trust Carter to get on base a lot in those seven games, if nothing else. And finally, Ryan O'Hearn, only 23% roster. That's another deep outfield sleeper. He's been hot lately, and the Orioles face only one left-hander next week, so you can expect Ryan O'Hearn to get a lot of at-bats. And there it is, our final weekly preview of the season. Let's wrap up with some leftovers from Thursday. Start with some pitchers here. Zach Eflin got two double-digit strikeouts for the third time this season. Five innings, two runs, ten strikeouts against the Angels. Max Freed looked great after getting pushed back with a blister. He was at the Nationals. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts with 13 swinging strikes. And then, after the start, we got news that Freed developed a blister on his left index finger during the start, uh, but is expected to pitch in the final week of the season. And, Scott, we continue to wait for that big breakout, strikeout start for Grayson Rodriguez. He was okay at the Guardians. Five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Updated numbers since being recalled from the minors. 266 ERA and a 1.10 whip. 68 strikeouts over 71 innings for Grayson Rodriguez. Obviously, we're starting him against the Nationals in the final week. Uh, any thoughts on him, Freed, and Zach Eflin? I'm a little worried about Freed next week. He says he'll be able to go, but the Braves don't really need him to. What they really need him for is the playoffs. So it does give me some pause. I'm not going to say you should sit him. But if you're if if it's at all a question, like if you have great great pitching options and you're looking for somebody to bump, maybe you play it safe with Freed. Uh, him developing that blister, okay. And then Grayson Rodriguez. It was a rare example. You know, it wasn't his greatest start since returning, but it was a rare example of him getting more than a str- more than a strikeout per inning. Uh, and he had a lot of swinging strikes too. Interestingly, 
In addition to the, how many swinging strikes was it for Grayson Rodriguez? Six, 15 swinging strikes. In addition to that, 37 foul balls. 37 of his 99 oh. pitches were fouled off. Wow. That's weird, right? Explains why he had pitch count issues. That feels like a um, Guardians thing, just because they're like a pesky lineup. And they usually make a lot of contact. They, they usually don't swing and miss as much. Well, one thing I've noticed with Grayson Rodriguez since he returned, you know, obviously good results, but he tends to focus on like, he tends to throw a lot of fastballs and then focus on one secondary pitch. Like it was the changeup this time, 33%, but a lot of times it's the slider instead. Like he has a, he has a wide variety of pitches, but he, he really limits himself to, to just kind of playing one secondary off his fastball most of the time. And so I think it, I think that's part of the reason why he hasn't had the big strikeout numbers we're hoping for is because he's kind of, um, handcuffing himself in that way. And I, I think it'll change as he gets more comfortable in the majors, but it, it, it might've made, you know, he might just be a little too predictable right now. It's great that he's succeeding that way, but I, that's part of the reason why I think it could get even better for Grayson Rodriguez. Some hitting leftovers. Jeff McNeil continues his hot hitting. He went three for four with a double triple and his 10th stolen base. He finished a home run short of the cycle. And since the start of August, 48 games, McNeil is batting 307 with seven homers and five steals. Francisco Lindor went two for four with two steals, his first time picking up 30 steals in a season in his career. Uh, and just overall, you know, batting average is kind of middling, 251, but 26 homers, 100 runs scored, 88 RBI. You know, it's a four-category contributor here for Francisco Lindor. Ozzie Albies had a huge game. In fact, the entire Atlanta Braves did because that's basically what they do. Uh, Ozzie Albies, four for six with a sock and a shoe, his 32nd home run and his 13th steal of the year. 103 RBI for him, batting 274. A great season for Ozzy Albies. Matt Olson, two for six with his league leading 53rd home run. He also leads all baseball with 132 RBI. Pete Alonzo is the next closest at 114. So that is uh, <laughs> quite the cushion there for Matt Olson. Uh, and you don't have to pick him up. You don't have to do anything at all. But I just wanted you to know that on a Kokomo Friday, Connor Joe had three hits. And that is back-to-back three-hit games for Connor Joe. That is all you need to know about Connor Joe. Call to the bullpen. A few updates here for the Angels. Carlos Estevez got the ninth inning with a one-run lead. He gave up two runs on a walk and four hits. That was his fourth blown save and fifth loss of the year. For the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell entered the eighth inning with a one-run lead, facing four, five, and six in the Mets lineup. Jose Alvarado struck out two in the ninth for his ninth save of the year. Uh, Alvarado actually has two of the Phillies' last three saves. He's 22% rostered. I don't know that we do anything with this in the final week, Scott, but maybe if you play in a head-to-head league and Craig Kimbrell's one of your relief pitchers, maybe you just look for somebody else because, I don't know, he's been used more in like a high-leverage role recently. Yeah, I hear that. And last week I was recommending Tanner Scott over him. Tanner Scott's kind of had a bumpy week here, yep. which is hurting both of my teams competing for a championship. Ah. Right? Both of, I think I'm starting him in both of the podcast leagues. Uh, so I'm, who would be a good alternative at this point? I mean, Aroldis Chapman's is out there in a lot of leagues, but he has been shaky himself. Mm-hmm. Oof, there's, there's not I, much. We don't 
we still don't really know who the Cubs are going with as Adbert Alzali's replacement, and it seems like Alzali himself could return at some point next week. Well, if you play so in a head-to-head league, Michael King has relief pitcher eligibility, so that well, would be yeah, that's a, a That's yeah. a no-brainer. Uh, Ryan Helsley is 65% rostered. Yeah, Adam pretty good. Adam Adovino is 27%. Not that the Mets are good, but I think he's... I, I think... Clay Holmes is out there in a decent number of leagues too. He's been dropped in enough. He's seventy five percent. Yeah, that's a little high, but yeah. but yeah, if you could swap him, Kimberl out for him, I think I'd do that too. Uh, of the ones we've named, Helsley, probably my first. You know, I I do think I'd still start Tanner Scott over Kimberl too. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's eliminated as an option, but it, this week has not gone well for him. Tanner Scott up to 60% rostered on CBS. And last bullpen update here for the Guardians. Emmanuel Class A allowed two base runners, but struck out two for his league-leading 40-second save. He is the only pitcher over 37 saves this season. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Friday. And we got Sawyer Gibson Long at the Oakland A's. And maybe that's it. (laughs) Jamison Tyone... Tyone's really bad, but he does get the Rockies in Chicago, so I don't know. It's risky, but you could see that Sawyer Gibson long start going very well. So if you're if you're somebody who streams till your eyes fall out, <laughs> I think Sawyer Gibson Long's a good play. On Saturday, we have Jose Quintana at the Phillies. We have Jordan Wicks facing the Rockies in Chicago. Uh, Zach Littell is facing the Blue Jays. Nick Pavetta against the White Sox. That sounds kind of good. John Means at Cleveland. Cal Quantrill versus the Orioles. Connor Phillips versus the Pirates. There are some intriguing names, I think, on Saturday. Not necessarily good, but intriguing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I could see four or five of these going well, but I'm not confident in any of them going well. Probably my favorite is Nick Pavetta against the White Sox, who've just been awful offensively uh, of late. And, um, you know, particularly if you need strikeouts, I think Pavetta is the way to go. If you're just kind of looking for stability, hopefully a quality star, probably Jose Quintana is still the best choice for that. But that Phillies matchup is not the most favorable. Mm -hmm. I think Jordan Wicks might work as well. He's, you know, he's been a little up and down, but. You get the Rockies on the road, I I think anything can happen, Uh, but usually it's good. On Sunday, we are looking at Christopher Sanchez kind of has that piggyback thing going on. He's facing the Mets. We have Mike. Yeah, I think he's out based on the way. I know it was against the Braves, but we have. uh, He didn't. He didn't. I don't know. I I guess if if it (laughs) may, who who knows how it would have gone if if he had not been giving up any runs. He gave up. What was it? Three earned runs and less than five innings. Yeah, uh, gave up a fair amount of hits. I think they but, brought Lorenzen in. He only recorded one or two outs. Yeah, Lorenzen was horrible. Yeah, but Sanchez gave up three earned runs and in four innings with on seven hits, so he wasn't great. And maybe if he was better, they would have let him go more than four innings. But that's still, we can only theorize. Yeah, are, are there better options? That's what we have to consider as well. Uh, Would we start Clevenger with the way he's been lately at Boston over Sanchez against the Mets? I think so. I think I'd do that. I think so too. Number one for me is probably Edward Cabrera against the Brewers though. Yeah. Just 
hoping for a big strikeout out. He, he, he looked pretty good in his first start of the week, but he didn't get a lot of strikeouts. And so it wasn't a total victory for folks who recommended him like me. But hopefully he gets those strikeouts against the Brewers. Brian Wu at Texas, I think is... If you're going to stream like crazy, I, I don't know why you'd pass on that. I worry about Texas. They had a huge game on, I think it was Wednesday. Their offense is kind of... Everyone's getting healthy. They're starting to click again. So that one's kind of worrisome for me. I, I think Cutter Crawford, he's you know he's always up and down, but he gets whiffs and he's facing the White Sox. I think that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, uh, and I I really like picking on the Rockies here on the road, so I think Javier Assad is fine. Yeah, Oop. that's true too. I guess there are a lot of pretty good options Sunday. Okay, we are gonna wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we will be back again next week. Bye bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.